called Wisdom for Living because the book of Proverbs written by Solomon who was considered the wisest man that, that ever walked the earth apart from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ uh, who wrote this book and uh, he has covered so many different topics and within it and it, it's a great study um, for us. Um, I titled this morning's message uh, Good and Angry and uh, it's dealing with the topic of, of anger. And just by a show of hands, has anybody ever dealt with anger before? I just want to make sure if I, okay, there's a couple of, good. I, you know, you hate preaching to the choir, you know, and so I didn't want to just do this for myself. You know, I was hoping somebody else could relate to it this morning. And uh, we'll, we'll read this, you know, and we'll pray. I wanted to share with you, you know, Webster's definition, you know, of anger. And uh, then we'll pray because maybe this is, you'll find yourself relating to this. Um, anger, it, it actually comes from the Greek word uh, uh, thymus. It's where we get our English word thermometer or thermos. And it's something that has to do with the controlling of temperature. And it's Webster's Dictionary defines anger like this. It says, a strong feeling of displeasure and usually of opposition toward someone or something. Maybe you could relate to that. Uh, Synonymous with anger are rage and fury and wrath, and uh, they mean an intense emotional state caused by displeasure. And uh, I can't think of really a, a better topic, you know, in, in sharing with people and, and hearing and counseling with people over the last months as the coronavirus has hit. If there's probably an area that all of us have had to deal with, uh, and some, you know, for the very first time in, in their lives is, is be becoming, you know, deep-rooted anger. It's just a frustration or like as Webster says, the displeasure uh, of a situation or a circumstance. And it's causing, you know, uh, unfortunately, uh, people not to reach up towards God, but to act out uh, in their anger. We're seeing, you know, this increased level, obviously, if you turn on the news of violence today, you know, in our world. Um, not just, you know, uh, peaceful protesting, as some would declare, but, you know, literally rioting that's taking place. Uh, uh, you know, just the rage within our, our community, the, the abuse within the home, whether that's spousal abuse. Uh, we're seeing that tremendously on the rise. Uh, child abuse, I mean, you know, sexual abuse, you know. Uh, it's interesting that, you know, rape is not a, a crime of passion. It's a crime of anger. And uh, we're seeing that, you know, as well on the rise. And so anger is, a, is an issue that um, it troubles us. It touches all of our lives. And yet, uh, as believers, uh, oftentimes we feel tremendous shame. And we don't know, you know, how to deal with it. Or at least, uh, you know, we're not sure what the next steps can be. And so I want to share some of those things with you as we walk through this today. And take a look at, you know, what Proverbs says and, and other passages of Scripture. But let's, let's pray and ask the Lord to, to really open, uh, help us open our hearts and our minds to, to this topic of, of anger and how the Lord might uh, speak not only to us, but uh, to deal with it uh, in, in and through our lives as well. So let's pray. Father, we, we just ask this morning as we open up your word that, Lord, we'd open up our hearts and our minds to all that you have for us. Um, we get angry about so many things. Uh, we're in a, a 
heated political season. It's one that um, just seems to be polarized in our country. We, we recognize we're a divided nation. Uh, the, the, the love of many, as your word says, is wax cold. And it just seems like more and more each day, people are becoming more angry by the day. And maybe even some of us here, even as believers who love you and, and want to do the right thing, but yet we find ourselves just so frustrated, so displeased with the world. <clears throat> and we're seeing that, that in the end result of that anger becomes bitterness in our life. And so Lord, we just ask today that you would speak to us, that you would teach us that, Lord, if God were struggling in this area of our life, that you'd bring healing, um, Lord, uh, to where we need it today. We love you and we thank you for your grace, Lord. We thank you for your mercy in our lives constantly. And we do recognize that regardless of what's going on in the world, that this is the day that the Lord has made. And we deliberately choose to rejoice and be glad in it today. Uh, we thank you for Kat, Lord. We just pray uh, that you would bless her day, bless this next year of her life. And uh, Lord, just keep her and prosper her and all the things that you would put her heart and her mind to. And we thank you for her and lift her to you this day as well as we pray in Jesus' name. And again, we all agreed saying amen. Oh, well, you can do better than that. Come on. Amen. amen. Yes. I wanted them to hear you at home. That's the thing. Yeah. Thank you for doing that. And uh, how many know what your IQ is. Raise your hand. You know what your IQ is. Have you ever done an IQ test? There's two of you, three of you. It's not that it's important, but did you know, you know, most people, I don't even, you know, I, I've heard about it. I've never even taken a test. Do you know that you have an AQ as well? You know what an AQ is? Obviously we're talking about anger. It's your anger quotient. Okay. Uh, just like you have an IQ, you have an AQ. You have, have you ever heard that expression? I've taken, you know, is it, was it Popeye? Who said, did Popeye say this? You know, what did he say? I've taken all that I can stand and I can't stand anymore. That's called reaching your anger quotient. How many, how many, how many through just by, conf and confession is good for our soul, okay? Now, you know, how many through this corona pandemic, you have more than once, like Popeye, you have come to that place where you have taken all that you can take and you can't take anymore. Is anybody by show of your hands, you're going, yeah, there's a few of us that, that have hit that once or twice during, during this time. And uh, again, you're not alone. And that's the important thing, you know, that, you know, the Bible makes very clear that we all struggle with the same things, just varying degrees at different times. And so, you know, I, I understand, you know, that uh, this is a topic that can, you know, cause us to kind of, you know, shrink down and, and uh, not want to deal with it. But I hope that uh, your hearts are open to what the Lord would have for us as we read his word today. And when you think about your, your anger quotient, you could put it like this. It, it's, a, it's a formula. It's, it's your environment plus your perspective times your obedience to God's word equals your anger quotient. Ephesians 4.26 would be the obedience that, that I'm speaking of here. Environment plus perspective times your obedience to this passage of scripture. Ephesians 4.26 says, be angry and what? Do not sin. So, okay, so first and foremost, we understand the Bible doesn't say that being angry is a sin. That's important that you understand that right from the get-go. Being angry is not a sin. It's what you do with your anger that becomes sinful. It says, do not let the sun go down upon your wrath. 
And so just in, in very simply in expressing what that passage means is that when it, it's okay to be angry, but when you become angry, again, when you look at it, it says, do not let it cause you to sin. Don't let it cause you to violate the commands of God, the teachings of God. And the best way to handle anger, and we're going to close the service today and really walking through the steps of three steps and how we can deal with our anger. But he says, let not the sun go down upon your wrath. And what that's talking about is deal with it. Is, is, have you ever just not dealt with it and just let it go? And, and usually it's kind of like a, a wound or something, right? If you don't take care of it, what usually happens to a wound? If you don't treat it, it'll usually get worse, right? Have you ever had a toothache before and just put it off? You know, it, it hurt for a couple of days and then you went, you know, I should go to the dentist. And then you go, hmm, it doesn't hurt anymore. And so you just let it go. Does it just get better on its own? I mean, are you a faith healer? I mean, you, all of a sudden you pray over your teeth. It's one of the things I've always been interested about, you know, like the, the word of faith guys, you know, that talk about, you know, if you can believe it and da, da, da. And then they're preaching and they're, they're talking and you look and they got, they got crowns on their teeth. You go, they couldn't even heal their own teeth. You know, but they're talking about how we can heal ourselves of tremendous disease if we would just think the right thing. But I guess it just doesn't work on teeth, though, you know. But it, it, it's interesting, you know, that we can let something fester. And if we do, it always gets worse. It doesn't go away. You know, can you turn a mountain into a molehill or a molehill into a mountain in that, so to speak? You go, yeah, out of a, a mountain, out of a molehill. All of a sudden, you just, like you'd see in a cartoon or something, you just sweep something under the rug. And w what usually happens? is it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And so it's important that we understand, you know, that our anger, if it's unchecked, it becomes extremely flammable. <laughs> it's so important that we understand that. And usually when it becomes flammable, what does it do? And we're seeing all the forest fires here in the state of California. I mean, it just spreads, right? And if it goes unchecked, it spreads and it just continues to spread rapidly. And what does it do? It destroys relationships. It's probably one of the most hurtful things that when you, you sit and you listen to people talk about their hurts and their heartaches in this life and how they go back to a relationship. And usually it involves anger. It involves, you know, some unchecked anger and something was said or something that was done and it becomes the deal breaker in a relationship. You know, we have to understand that under pressure, and we're all feeling it, especially, you know, now in the midst of a pandemic, uh, all of our lives are under pressure. And you've heard me use that, ex that example before. You can take a cup and, and whatever is in your cup, when it gets bumped, comes out, right? And again, have you ever said something that you wish that you hadn't said? See, we don't say everything that's in our head, but we say everything that's in our heart. The Bible says out of the abundance of what? the heart, the mouth speaks. And so anger is a heart issue. You know, Jesus said, you know, obviously one of the 10 commandments, thou shalt not murder, right? But he says, but murder isn't so much the outward act. Jesus said, murder begins where? In our heart. He says, you know, that you're guilty of murder, even if you just say that you hate someone, because God knows, again, man looks at the outward appearance. James says, you know, show me your faith without your works, and I'll show you my faith by my works. I mean, the world can't see your heart, but God can. But the world sees the outward manifestation. They see the anger and you can go, oh, you know, I just got mad. And, you know, some people will, will say this. They'll go, you know, I wouldn't have got angry if you hadn't, you know, it's always somebody else's fault, right? 
But that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible says that anger comes from within. Anger comes from within our heart. You know, we, we say this all the time, you know, here at Calvary Chapel, we've taught sermon series on it. The heart of the matter is what? The matter of the heart. It's always going to be a heart issue. And so when you think about, you know, minimizing anger in your life, and it's fascinating to me. I don't know if you've sat and you've really tried to think about what makes you angry. And a lot of times, you know, you will think about specific things. You could say, you know, politics, you know, and taxes and all those type of things that, you know, everybody deals with. And you go, yeah, that just, and you go, but in your own life personally, is, is the thing that I, I want to get to here today as we look at this. And, and, it, and it, it's interesting. I was reading a, a quote, and this is by Dallas Willard. He, he said this. He said, speed and godliness are incompatible. He said, speed and peace are incompatible. Hurry and loving others are incompatible. Hearing God's voice and hurry are incompatible ruthlessly eliminate hurry, he said, from your life. You know, one of the, the best ways, you know, that, that I found during this pandemic to reduce the anger and reduce the stress in our lives is to do what? Is to slow the pace of your life. If you think about it, you know, even a, a book has margins, right? If you imagine, you know, Editors know that if you just took the letters on a page and ran it all the way to the end of the page, nobody would read. Uh, your eye would just be overwhelmed. It was like it needs a break. You know, it's like a chapter, you know, uh, a paragraph. Uh, we need spacing. You need space. And one of the things that as we look at this this morning on the front end of it, because everything that we read in the book of Proverbs, again, is personified by a relationship. This is something that you can't miss when you study the book of Proverbs. Remember, as he starts the first nine chapters, he personifies wisdom and folly as, as two women, right? So he brings this back to a relationship. So everything is about a relationship. Some of it's a relationship to God. Some of it's a relationship to other people. And regarding anger, it's a relationship within ourself. And one of the, the key components you think about your stress that leads to anger is the fact that and there is no margin in your life, that you're being pushed to the extreme. That's one of the things that we're seeing and talking with and praying with parents right now. It's one of the things that was driving us praying about what should we do as a church as we move forward in the midst of a pandemic is that families are needing help. Families are becoming overwhelmed by what? The fact that they're in a constant hurry. They're just, they don't have time for anything in their life. And when that leads to extreme stress, then what does it do? The outcome of that becomes anger. And so again, getting back to the root is, is to minimize the stress and to minimize the anger is to create more space in our life. How many have ever traveled where you've gone to the airport and you've sat in an airport terminal? Raise your hand. What are most people doing when they're in an airport? Are they relaxing or are they in a hurry? Would you say? Well, it just depends anymore. Flights are, I guess, a, it's a two-sided question because the flights are delayed so much you're, you might live in the airport. But back in the old days, pre-pandemic, is you would find people, they're rushing, right? They're trying to get from gate to gate. They're, they got all their bags and it's really fun watching families because they'll have all their luggage and their kids and they're flying through and they're just not having any 
you know, <laughs> pleasure at all. I mean, it's like you're going, why did we even go on vacation? And just being overcome with anger. And yet the people who, you know, are at the airport, you know, that, you know anybody that gets to the airport a couple hours early, you know, and they sit there and they get their coffee and a book and they're sitting in the airport and they're just relaxing. And you go, they're not angry about anything. And you go, why? Because they're not in a hurry. There's something about, you know, slowing the pace. Um, it's not that I can relate to this. I, I counsel with people, though, you know, driving. Um, you know, um, how do I say this? I know someone. Yeah, yeah, it's like Paul said, I know a man, 15 years. Yeah, no, I, I know in my own life. You know, when I think about anger, you know, why? I go, because I'm in a hurry all the time. I'm always having to go, because in ministry, there's always something that happens that you can't plan. You, know, you can have a schedule, you can plan the day, someone calls, there's an emergency, whatever the thing is, and so something is always disrupting everything. So you can't go, you know, and I guess you could, if you could just, like, I, I have a kind of a thing I live by that I try to live by anyway, that since people can't plan their pain, I always say you can't plan their appointments. I mean, it'd be really nice to just say, you know, that uh, <laughs> they go, hey, Pastor Mike, I got this emergency. I'm sorry, you know, You'll have to come tomorrow at, you know, three o'clock. You know, that'll be, you know, it's like they, they go, no, I need it right now. Okay. All right. And, uh, and so things get bumped. But I find that that is what increases the stress level in my life. And then so I'm driving from place to place and I'll find myself becoming frustrated. You might say, I find displeasure in the way that other people drive. They're in the way. I mean, does anybody else, can you relate to this? I feel all alone right in this moment. Okay. Yeah. And, and so I'm driving and I'm talking to the people like, get out of the way. What are you doing? Like, where'd you get your driver's license? What state are you from? You know, and stuff. And my wife, and, and again, understand this, God's gift in marriage is a wife, just like the gift of the Holy Spirit. I, I totally, totally understand that. I don't always appreciate it. But, but I do understand it. And, and I really, in the truest sense, I do appreciate it. But not necessarily in the moment. But it's the same thing with the Lord. Because the Holy Spirit's in the world to convict us of what? Sin, right? And of righteousness. And my wife is, she's a, you know, like I said, the word, same word for woman in Genesis 2, for helper, is the same word in John 15 for helper, the Holy Spirit. And so when we get in the car, my wife helps me. I don't even ask for it. And, and she'll, she'll say to me, she'll go, you need to slow down. You know, you need to do this. You need to do this. And it's like, I get angry. And it's like, I, I know I need to do that, but I don't, I, I'm in a hurry. But what I found, and she can tell you this, you know, I've got better at it through the years because what I would start to do is I go, I know this is going to be terrible. And we're going on vacation. I can't tell you in my anger, how many vacations I'd ruined for her, not necessarily for me, because I did come in first place on the freeway. I just want you to know. <laughs> Anybody else know? <laughs> you don't have to go there. But, you know, you're, you're pit stopping. It's like Indy 500, and you're going, hurry, Lee. She's like, I got to go back. Hurry, we're going to lose our spot on the freeway. You know, and then all those cars you passed, you know, and everything. And she'd get back in. I was like, ah, dang it. Now I got to try to make my way back to the front again, you know, wherever that front is, you know. And uh, so, so I started praying with her. So we, we'd get in the car and I go, Lord, I, I don't want to get angry. I don't want to get frustrated. And Lord, you know my heart, you know, so I need to pray. God, help me to relax. Help me to take my time. And in doing that, what does that do? By creating that gap, slowing the pace, 
It reduces the stress, which reduces the anger. And, and I, I hope that, you know, in, in getting to this this morning, that might be of some help to you as it is to me. To pray, to seek the Lord and go, God, <clears throat> I need your help. And so where does it begin? Confession. You know, again, the steps of, of dealing with our anger is confessing you got a problem. Because if you can't confess that you have a problem with it, you'll never, ever be healed of it. God, in his word, declares very clearly he resists the proud, right? And he gives grace to the humble. So it's humbling ourselves before the Lord. And so, you know, again, when you think about this, if you really want to do, you know, what Proverbs says and you want to deal with it, you know, anger in the way that it pleases the Lord, let's, let's look at these verses here in, in Proverbs. And we'll pick it up in Proverbs chapter 14, verse 16. And we're just going to walk through, you know, different passages here from here to chapter 30 that just deals with the topic, again, from a topical perspective, uh, anger. And Proverbs 14, 16, uh, again, and understand, here's Solomon speaking to his son, it just be like, and it's not just for sons, it would be, because he, he's telling his son, he says, listen to your mother, listen to your father, learn, understand, and again, and, and, and you got to get this, because it's where it all starts to make sense as we move along. Remember, in the in the Old Testament, the New Testament is, what, concealed, but in the New Testament, the Old Testament is revealed to us, right? So think about this, because he's talking about wisdom and folly being personified in two different women. So what is he talking about? He's talking about life, and everything in life is about relationships. That's why our parents growing up, they would say, bad company corrupts good morals. So it's about a relationship. But now he's talking about, so if you want to walk in wisdom, is understand that's a relationship. It's a relationship it's a person, okay? And that, that should start planting the seed in your mind when you think about the New Testament being, you know, the, the Old Testament is revealed because it's going to be revealed in Christ Jesus himself. So Proverbs 14, 16, it says, a wise man fears and departs from evil, but a fool rages and is self-confident here. You know, it, it's been rightly said, you know, that when you, your temper boils over, you know, you usually end up where? in hot water. Have you found that to be true in your own life? And that's really what, what Solomon is saying. It just never pays to lose our temper. You know, when you're angry, by a show of hands, how many of either, when you're angry, you've either said or done the wrong thing by a show of hands? Anybody? You go, yeah. And so this is what Solomon, in wisdom, he's going, understand this. Understand anger has no, no positive <laughs> place in our life. In that regard, because now we will see it, like I said, in Ephesians 4, there is an opportunity to be angry, but not to sin. And it's interesting because righteous anger doesn't come from your heart. It comes from the act. See, God, God is love. His nature is love, but he's also just. And to think about, you know, God's justice. And yet it's not that in his heart that he has a hatred in the way that we think of hatred or displeasure. His, his displeasure is based upon his righteousness. It's, a, it's based upon his person. And, and, and so when you think about, you know, Proverbs 14, a wise man fears, and Solomon takes us back to relationship, is what? The true wisdom, the beginning of wisdom begins with what? The fear of 
the Lord. It always brings this back to a relationship. He says, but a fool is, is, does what? He rages and is self-confident. Again, as Paul in the New Testament, he talks about, you know, that our life is no longer our own. So if you're dealing with anger today, most likely, you know, again, it comes back to because you're living in a way that you're, you're seeing yourself. And I don't mean this, that it's a direct statement in that you see yourself as God, you don't go, I don't, I don't claim to be God. But when you put yourself as preeminent, when you put yourself first and foremost, that's not the denial of self. It's the thing that, that leads uh, against everything in our relationship that, that brings us to a place where we really can rejoice in the relationship that we have with God. Because what happens is when we don't put God first, again, there's only one throne in my life. Either Jesus is on that throne or I'm on that throne. There's no, it's not a dual seat there. And so, you know, again, what Solomon is talking about is, again, this is all about a relationship. Everything in life stems from a relationship. And so a wise man, again, who fears, who fears the Lord, won't be self-confident because he's displaced himself. Paul would say, you know, it's no longer I who lives, but Christ in me in the life that I now live in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Because it's not like you're just going to think, you know, wisdom or think wise thoughts. Because think about this, you know, first Kings tells us that when, when Solomon was, was just a boy and when he was becoming King, what did he do? He, it says that he prayed to God and he didn't pray and he didn't say, God, give me all the, the wealth of the world or give me all, you know, the, the possessions that I can have. He said, Lord, give me wisdom. And God said, because Solomon, that you asked for wisdom, he said, I'm going to give you not only wisdom, but I'm going to give you wealth and everything else. Because it, it, it came from a heart that was recognizing that he couldn't accomplish it on his own. And, and you think about this. So Solomon had all this wisdom. And yet, did he walk in it? No. Matter of fact, it's, Scripture tells us that he walked away from wisdom for much of his life. And so don't think for a second that if you just read the book of Proverbs and you go, oh, I've got this, you know, these words of wisdom and that's going to change my life. No. Remember where this is all leading to. Wisdom, Solomon said, it's in a prophetic way and, and folly are personified in a person. Wisdom in your life and in my life is personified in a person. It's not just knowing wisdom, you know, in the sense of words, it's knowing the person of wisdom. First Corinthians, you know, tells us that Jesus is the wisdom of God. And everything stems from that relationship. And so that's, this is what, you know, Solomon is doing. He's, he's reminding us that everything stems from a relationship. Everything is about relationship here. Proverbs 15, 1, he says, A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. And I like what John Corson writes. He says, in baseball terms, whenever I strike out in anger, I invariably miss the point and make everything foul. And you can imagine him, <laughs> you know, that. And, and it's so true. You know, every time that we try to defend our position, you know, our rights or, or ourselves, you know, that's what makes us angry. You know, so people just, you know, they're, they're, not, they're not understanding, you know, what, what I'm saying. It's, not, it's about me, 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 you know. Again, John the Baptist saw it best. He said, I must decrease that what? That he might increase in our life. Yeah. Anger. When I make it all about me. Proverbs 15, 18 says, A wrathful man stirs up strife, but he who is slow to anger 
uh, allies' contention. I love, again, John Corson, he wrote this. He said, the best cure for a short temper is a lengthy prayer. Have you found that to be true? You know, before, before I came to Christ, you know, I remember, you know, my grandparents telling us, you know, if you, honey, if you get upset with something, you should do, and they give you formulas to how to deal with anger, right? One of them was count to what? Ten. You ever count to ten? And you got done at ten, yeah, you'd go one, two, and it just didn't work. Or even if you got to ten, I know people that would say it, they'd go, yeah, I counted to ten, and what happened? They just got more angry. It doesn't, it doesn't fix it, but praying... Because praying isn't just crying out to God, it's aligning with God. When Jesus taught his disciples to pray, he said, pray in this manner, thy kingdom come, what? Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So what am I doing? See, most of the time, my anger comes from me wanting my rights, not relinquishing my rights. But when I came to Christ, I relinquished everything in my life to him. You know, one of the best things, like I said, that you can do every time you start to feel your blood pressure rise, when, you know, you start to become frustrated, and, and many of you, you're good at it, and you're getting better at it, as you pray. You say, man, I just need to pray. And that you teach yourself and you train yourself to see God in that moment to pray. Casting what? All of your cares upon him, because what? Because he cares about you. So, so true. Proverbs 16, 14. Again, all these passages, just great passages to meditate on and to think about. Proverbs 16, 14 says, As messengers of death is the king's wrath, but a wise man will appease it. And you go, what is Solomon saying there? Well, he's a king and he understands this. You know, aren't you glad that you don't have to tiptoe into the very presence of God. I mean, Jesus Christ came into this world. He is King of kings and Lord of lords, but he came as what? The Lamb of God. And, and scripture says that we can come boldly before the throne of what? Grace in our time of need. God's throne is a throne of grace for us who have what? Who've come under the blood of the Lamb, who've received the forgiveness of God of our sin. But if you haven't, you know, what's going to happen? Jesus said, on that day, he said, I will say to you, those that have rejected him, rejected the forgiveness that he offers on Calvary's cross. He said, I will say to them on that day, what, depart from me, you workers of inequity. The, the king's wrath will be all that's left. And so, again, as Solomon is saying, as messengers of death, you know, that is the king's wrath there. And again, when you think about that, you know, uh, when a, a person that's a king or that someone who's in authority, uh, they can put a death sentence on you. You know, it's like you go as, a, as an employer, right? So you ever got fired from a job? <laughs> you ever said something wrong to your boss? You know, you got some, you, in your anger or something, maybe you could get away with it saying it to somebody else. But if you say it to the wrong person, it can cost you. And that's really what it's talking about here. Our anger can and it will cost us. Proverbs 19.3 goes on. It says, the foolishness of a man twists his ways and his heart frets. Or in some of your translations, do you have rages? Yeah. Against the Lord. A foolish man doesn't listen to the Lord. He doesn't seek the Lord. And he doesn't even walk with God. And guess what? What happens to the, you know, as scripture says, the, the fool says in his heart that there's no God. And so foolishness being 
personified as a woman, what's the end result of it? Trouble. And then what do people who end up in trouble do? They don't walk with God. They don't seek God. But yet in the end, what do they do? They blame God. That, that's the irony of the whole thing. They don't walk with God. They don't seek him. But yet they'll, they'll blame him. And that's exactly what Proverbs 19.3 is telling us here. Proverbs 19.12 goes on and it says, The king's wrath is like the roaring of a lion, but his favor is like the dew on the grass. Now, it's kind of an interesting statement there. Again, Jesus, like I said, came as John chapter 1, verse 29 tells us, the Lamb of God. But he's also, you know, as Revelation 5, 5 tells us, he's the Lion of the tribe of Judah. You know, there's many that don't want to submit to his Lordship. And guess what? They are going to hear one day, as I shared with you in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus' words, depart from me, I never knew you. But those of us who understand that he's the lamb who is slain before the foundations of the world, that will know that grace, will know his favor. And so it, it's important, you know, again, that we take these things to heart. You know, it says, but his, his favor is like the dew on the grass. What's that talking about? Anybody eat grass? No. Well, at least if you live in an arid you know, part of the world, and you can see the morning dew. There's a, there's something refreshing about that. That's the smell of grass. Um, because I had this situation the, this last week. Um, I got uh, my time mixed up. I was supposed to be somewhere at 10 o'clock, but I thought I was supposed to be there at nine o'clock. So I got there at nine o'clock and I was really early. And uh, so I told him, I said, wow, I go, I don't know what to, I'm going to do. I have all this extra time now. And I was studying for this and I was kind of laughing at myself. I go, well, I got time to, to uh, get some stuff done. So I realized I was over by my wife's work. So I stopped by this place and I got a, uh, a kale and something else, leafy. It was green and white. And I thought, well, my wife will like this. And I took it to her at work because I had an hour. And uh, she was only about five minutes from there. So she's like, well, what are you doing here? Because normally I'm running from place to place. I, well, I had some time and thought I'd bring you this drink. So she takes a drink of it. Whoa. She says, good. Tastes like grass though. And it reminded me of this, this past. So I, she goes, take a sip of it. I go, yeah, you're, you're right. I don't know what it had in it, but it, it tastes like we were eating grass, but it was refreshing just like this, this passage here. And that's really what it's speaking of is that there, there's something that's life. It was meant to be, it was created to be life giving, you know? So when you look at that, it's not dead grass, not all dried out, but it's just that, that green grass with that do on it, just again, so Solomon's using something from, from uh, you know, the environment there that he can see that's around him to express, you know, again, and you have to understand living in a very arid part of the world where it was dry, you know, that this would be something that was truly refreshing. Proverbs 19, 19 goes on. It says, a man of great wrath will suffer punishment for if you rescue him, you will have to do it again. And what does that Again, goes back to something I shared right at the very beginning. Someone who loses their temper, man or woman, child, doesn't make any difference. If they continually lose you know, their temper, uh, again, you're going to find yourself ultimately in hot water. And if somebody does that repeatedly and you, again, you're not going to rescue them. You're just, uh, again, what we end up saying is, you know, what did I end up doing? I ended up enabling them, right? And that's what really one of the dangers of it. It says, a man of great wrath will suffer punishment. For if you rescue him, you will have to do it again. 
And so, again, Solomon's talking about relationships here. How involved should we be in other people's affairs? Proverbs 20, verse 2, it says, The wrath of a king is like the roaring of a lion. Whoever provokes him to anger sins against his own life. All you have to do is go on YouTube and watch videos to prove this point. Watching people, I watched a guy the other day went up to a lion's cage. It was, he was at a zoo and it had a railing, right? He goes over the railing, okay? And this was in a foreign country because most of them in, in the United States have all kinds of safety precautions, but it was in a foreign country. He got over the, the rail and he goes up to the, the fence and there's a lion sitting on the other side of the fence and he's just sitting there, you know? And there were bars and the guy, you know, had something in his hand and he was holding it down, but he was holding it about six inches away from the lion's cage. And so, and then the little thing on the video comes up and it says, wait for it, you know, cause you're getting bored watching this cause the guy's just standing there. And all of a sudden that, that cat swatted his hand, pulled it in and he had that guy by the arm and he was not letting go. I mean, he was, he, that guy was in, in the, you know, the confines of that, <laughs> that cage. <laughs> and it reminded me, this says, whoever provokes him to anger sins against his own life. And I thought this thing is not getting in pretty. But fortunately, when the, the lion went to re-grip, the guy was able to, you know, get his, his arm out of there. You know, lesson learned there. Yeah, and again, to think of, you know, God's wrath. I mean, you think about study, you know, John taught through the book of Revelation and uh, talking about the you know, battle of Armageddon and to think about, you know, the blood of those there in the valley of Megiddo that it says their blood will be up to the horse's bridle, like five, six feet, you know, uh, deep in, in blood. And this is a war that's going to battle. It's going to be over like this. And so again, you know, we can misunderstand the wrath of God. And it's important to understand it. And Solomon is teaching this about as a king, he understands it. You know, they spent much time driving their enemies out. And, and the Lord himself, you know, he came into this world. We're in this dispensation of grace. Praise God for that. Amen. And what I mean by that is we have an opportunity today. John was just sharing this this last Wednesday night. You know, that we can bow our knee by our own, an act of our own will and love God and choose to serve him. But there is coming a day, whether you bowed your knee or not and received him as Savior and Lord, there is a day, the Bible says, that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God. And the sad reality for many is going to be that it's not going to do any good for them in that day. They're going to recognize that truth because he is King of kings and Lord of lords. But they never received the grace that the Lamb of God who came into this world to provide for us. And so Solomon, you know, making this very clear, you know, anger never has a positive outcome. Proverbs 21, 14, it says, a secret, a gift in secret pacifies anger and a bribe behind the back, strong wrath. You know, it's interesting, you know, what Jesus told us to do. And you think about this, a gift in secret pacifies anger. You know, Jesus told us to pray for our enemies, right? That's what we're to do. And where, to, where are we supposed to do it? He said, you know, in Matthew chapter six, he says, when you pray, go into what? The secret place. And we pray. And, and again, you talk about a gift in the secret place pacifies anger. It says, and a bribe behind the back, strong wrath. You know, again, I love 
But one commentator wrote, he said, the best gift I can give to my enemy is to pray for him. And as I do, the reward will be that. Whether or not the situation with him changes, my heart towards him will. You know, have you found it to be true in your life that people that you pray for, you can't hate? It's true. You know, so if you find yourself really angry with somebody, that's what people do. And I've sat with many people, they go, I, I don't want to pray. And they go, why? And you go, because I'm angry. And I go, well, what, what, why don't you want to pray? Because I know, and it's like you already know the truth. You go, I know what's going to happen. You know, it's kind of like Jonah going to Nineveh, right? I know if I go there, they'll repent, so I don't want to go. You know, and yet if we pray, and that really is the best gift, what happens? And to think that we have that ability in people's lives to pray for them. That Paul, you know, as he prayed for, for Israel as, as his countrymen, he said, I, I would become an anathema. He said, I'd become a curse for my countrymen that they might be saved. That we'd be praying, you know, like Moses. Lord, if, you, if you're going to blot them out of your book, then blot me out too. That God would give us that kind of heart. That, that, that will take care of the anger that we feel so often in our life. Proverbs 22.8, it says, He who sows inequity will reap sorrow, and the rod of his anger will fail. And again, think about this today. Do you get angry easily in your life? And if you do, and you have to really think that through, if you get angry, it's because we're putting our time, you know, our treasures, our talents, most likely into things that aren't eternally satisfying. They're temporal, you know, at best. What we need to do is pray. You know, Lord, forgive me. You know, Galatians tells us, for whatever man sows, that too he shall reap, right? Maybe today, if you're angry, that you could recognize and the Lord would reveal to you that you're sowing seeds in the wrong garden. And what we need to do today is pray for crop failure. Let's go, God, forgive me. And I, I'm praying that God... Not only forgive me, but don't let this grow any longer because I don't like what it's producing in my life or in the life of others. Proverbs 22, 24, and 25 says this. It says, make no friendship with an angry man. Again, understand what Solomon is talking about. Everything is, is personified here, wisdom and folly. And he does it with two women, okay? But it's a, it really is about relationships. You can see how this works. Like I said, even when we get angry at times, we'll go, I wouldn't have got angry, like I said, if you hadn't done this. That it's, it's all about a relationship. We blame other people for our own anger. He says, make no friendship with an angry man and with a furious man do not go, lest you learn his ways and set a snare for your soul. What's the danger then? You know, bad company does what? Corrupts good morals. Don't befriend angry people. Because why? You'll start to be like them. You'll start to agree with them. You'll start to think like they think. You, you find it. You go, man, I just can't be around them because when I get around them, what do I do? I become like them. And sometimes that, that's so hard because you have to let go of something to obtain something. Letting go of you know, the former life. That's what Paul talks about, this transformation that takes place. We put off what? The deeds of our flesh. We put off those old relationships. It doesn't mean we don't evangelize. It doesn't mean that we don't pray but we don't have that intimate relationship, that gnosko, that face-to-face -face relationship any longer. Because why? Three words. Bitterness is contagious. Bitterness is contagious. 
And it's so, so important that we understand that. Proverbs 25, 28, just a few more here. It says, whoever has no rule over his own spirit is like a city broken down without walls. And again, what, what is Solomon saying there? If you can't control your own temper, you can't control your own spirit, you're like a city that has no defenses. It's like the gates have just been taken off. The enemy will just come right in and ultimately it will lead to your destruction. Again, why is ruling, again, and, and can we do it ourselves? No. Again, what is the fruit of God's spirit? And by virtue of the fact when the Holy Spirit comes into our life, this love, joy, peace, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, what? Gentleness, what is Self-control. Yeah. It's by virtue of a relationship. The same way that hanging around the wrong people, you'll end up doing the wrong thing. Hanging around Jesus will ultimately do what? It will lead you to a place where you can enjoy self-control. Proverbs 27.4 says, Wrath is cruel and anger a torrent, but who is able to stand before jealousy? So he's talking about something that's worse than anger is jealousy. You think about, you know, wrath is cruel and anger. Uh, I love this. <laughs> it says, wrath is cruel and anger is only one letter away from what? Danger. Boy, that's so true. Anger is only one letter away from danger. But envy is worse. It's the worst of all. And you go, why? Why was Jesus put to death? The ultimate reason was what? They were jealous of him. They were envious of him. And so they sought to kill him. You found that to be true, you know, in this life. People, when they, they'll say all kinds of things about people, but really the ultimate thing is what you find is that people, when they're envious of other people or they're jealous of them, they do what? They slander them because they want what they have. They, they want whatever that thing is. And so what do they do? They try to step on them. You know, again, it says, be careful, you know, what ladder you climb in this life because you might just get to the top and realize that it's leaning against the wrong building. There's another expression that says, don't worry about who you step on as you climb the ladder because you'll never see him because when you fall off, you're going to fall off the other side. But again, important to understand how critical jealousy is. Proverbs 29 verse 8 says, scoffers set a city aflame, but wise men turn away wrath. You know, when they put Jesus to death, on, when they, the people cried for his crucifixion, you know, they were saying, release to us Barabbas, but crucify him. We will not have this man do what? Rule over us. That was the cry of the Jewish people there in Luke 19, 14. They hated Jesus. And yet, what were Jesus' words from the cross? We know that, you know, again, he has a righteous indignation. But what was his heart on the cross? He was crucified for me and for you, for the sins of the world. And yet he cried out from the cross, Father, what? Forgive them, for they know not what they do. Scoffers said a city of flame, but wise men turn away wrath. Thank God for Jesus today, amen? Proverbs 29, 11 says, A fool vents all his feelings, but a wise man holds them back. Now you think about that. A fool vents all of his feelings. Have you ever 
said something to yourself, you go, I'm not going to say this. You're going into a situation, you go, I will not say this. And you get there and everything that you said you weren't going to say, you ended up saying, right? And, and you, verses like this you know, come to mind. A fool vents all of his feelings. And you just go, why did I do that? It says, but a wise man holds them back. And again, why is that so important? You go, because it stems from a relationship. Self-control is a fruit of God's spirit in our life. It's why we need a relationship with him. Proverbs 29, 22, it goes on. There's just a couple more here. It says, an angry man stirs up strife and a furious man abounds in transgressions. You know, God, he resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. People are drawn to humble people. They're not very drawn to people who obviously are, you know, angry. It says, who stirs up strife, you know, and a furious man abounds in transgressions. But usually, if, you know, if somebody has a, you know, a short fuse, do you try to get too close to them? <laughs> no, you want to keep your, you want to keep your distance here. And that's really what Solomon is reminding us about, you know, is understanding humility will always draw people to you, but uh, anger will always push people away. And then the last one, Proverbs 30, verses 30 and 32, it says, if you have been foolish in exalting yourself, or if you have devised evil, put your hand on your mouth. It's not that easy to do though, is it? You start to say something and you go, people go, what are you doing? Just not going to say it. I mean, we wish that, you know, we had that kind of uh, self-control, but oftentimes no. It says, for as the churning of milk produces butter, and what's he talking about? Just stirring it up. It's that person who just stirs it up. It says, and the ringing of the nose produces blood. So the forcing of wrath produces strife. And again, to take it to heart, if you start to exalt yourself, put your hand over your mouth. This is what Solomon is saying. And he ends it, he goes, and those who, who make trouble, usually what? Find it. <laughs> and it's, there's just so much simplicity in this. And so, you know, just in reminding you, you know, here this morning, and I really covered this as we went along, you know, just three things as we, we close. How do you deal with anger then, you know, today? Deal with it honestly. That's the first thing, foremost. I love this quote. It says, The monster of the heart, anger, cannot withstand the light of exposure. For if you tell your story, when you do, it's to drag it into the light. And it's so true. The Bible says men love the darkness rather than the light. But if you pull it into the light, the enemy can't use it against you any longer. You know, deal with it. If you have a problem today with anger, Confession's good for the soul. Confess it to God. Find someone in your life that you can confess it to and say, hey, can you help me in this area of my life? Ephesians 4, 15 says, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ. Deal with things honestly. The second is resolve it quickly. I shared this with you earlier. You know, Matthew 18 Verses 15 through 17. This is from the message translation. It says, if a fellow believer hurts you... 